Do you ever wonder how great leaders in the community make things happen? When they encounter new unexpected challenges like a pandemic, how do they continue to successfully make an impact? Welcome to That Sounds Terrific, the podcast that connects you with these amazing people. Get insights on what they do to meet their goals. Find out how you can help them in their mission and learn their methods so you can be more successful at what you do. Welcome to That Sounds Terrific with host Nick Koziel. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of That Sounds Terrific. So joining me today is Julie Migliacci. Hopefully, I got that name right. I created a new pronunciation, maybe. But I'm so excited to have her here because she does some really terrific things around organizations and creating impactful hybrid and virtual events with Revent. So, Julie, why don't you just start off by like telling us a little bit about yourself and, and, and this business? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me today, Nick. Super appreciated. Uh, so as you mentioned, uh, I'm one of the co-owners of Revent. We are an event planning company that specializes in hybrid and virtual events. So we really look to elevate our field and create impactful experiences online, uh, whether you're in a full virtual format or hybrid. Uh, and as you can imagine, our field has had quite the ride in the last couple of years. So uh, we're going through another pivot right now, which is really fun and interesting to see where it's going to take us next. Yeah, some of the questions that I used to ask a lot in this podcast had to do with pivoting when it came to COVID. And I'm sure the event business took a hit. A lot of businesses took a hit. Um, And I'd love to hear a little bit about kind of like, you know, maybe the history of your company and kind of where you started and maybe maybe how you pivoted then in in COVID. So yeah. like, so how did everything get started? The, the origin story, it's a yeah. big one. So Uh-oh. it's not as cool as Spider-Man's, but uh, it's close. <laughs> so awesome. uh, I came from the traditional event world. So I was doing big corporate events, uh, closed down Times Square on multiple occasions, wow. did like dinners at Ellis Island, at Top of the Rock, like was doing really, really cool stuff. 2008, 2009 happened where that was also a very bad time in the event world uh, and had to pivot. And it was also around the same time I became a mother. So uh, one of my girlfriends was working for a big streaming company that was doing virtual events. And at that point, virtual events were like, cross your fingers, see if it works kind of vibe. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Many moons ago. Uh, fell into it mostly out of, I need the convenience at that point in my life and then fell in love with it. Like really saw the future of what my field was going to be. Like it was really cool to see where we were heading. Um, and about three and a half years ago, I actually, while working at that company, I met my two partners. So we've been working together for the past 12 years and, realized about three years ago, three years ago ish that the industry was changing. So clients were less worried about the tech working and more worried about they were using the right technology. How did they draft an agenda? How do you engage the web audience? Like more event planning questions were Mm -hmm. starting to come around the pipe. So we broke away to create Revent in October of 2019, so perfect timing, (laughs) (laughs) with the idea of being an event company that specializes in hybrid and virtual events. So that was really our core idea and focus. And on top of that, being platform agnostic. So a lot of our direct competitors 
only work within a certain platforms and they really push their clients into those solutions. Mm-hmm. We decided, uh, sorry, family, uh, we decided to, um, really stay agnostic so we could find the right solution for our clients. And then COVID happened and our sales pitch got so much easier (laughs) because people, I think the average person started experiencing virtual events for the first time. And probably for a lot of people, it might've been their first time joining anything virtually pre COVID. It was a lot of corporations doing them. And then all of a sudden it was like, somebody's birthday parties on zoom or you know like the entire world opened up to it which was really really fun so for us it was we were very blessed and lucky but it was a positive pivot as we almost couldn't keep up with the volume of client needs yeah yeah so I come from an event background probably not as uh illustrious as yours but uh, you know, one of the things that always used to get me uh, were, you know, it was mostly in the alumni world, but like I'd have people reach out to me and say, I want to help with the event. I, I I organized my my little brother's birthday party when I was a kid or something like that. And they have this conception of like, you just, hey, grab a couple balloons, grab some food and people are just going to come. Um, yeah. And so now I feel like we're in this next stage of the world where everyone has some experience with online meetings or online events. And they're also like, we don't need to hire anybody to to do this because we can do the online event. And it's going to be great because it's going to be hybrid in person and online. And we're going to do a great thing just because I organized my company's like, you know, little bar party after hours for on Zoom. So what do you like, how do you approach your clients? How do you talk a little bit about like, you know, um, what you're, you know, your company does to make these events, like not just happen, but be awesome. We look at it as an experience. So, and for an experience to be memorable, it needs to be different. So the drawback of doing it yourself, and there's nothing wrong with this. We're not curing cancer here. Like what we're doing is not rocket science. Like, (laughs) please try to do it yourself. The difference, the benefit you're going to get from hiring a company like ours is that we have our finger on the pulse. We know what's being done. We know where you can push the technology, how you can use it differently so that your event is not the same as everybody else's events. You know, I think right now, you know, like two and a half years ago, like breakout rooms came out and they're like, oh my God, I was in on an event and then we went to a breakout room. Isn't that so cool? If you still think that's cool, you're it's dated now. Now mm-hmm. you need to not just do breakout rooms. You need to create a moment around the breakout rooms. You need to use them totally differently or you shouldn't use them at all. Maybe mm-hmm. we're on a platform. I was just on a demo right before this of a platform called Gatherly run by these two kids right out of college. I was so impressed by them, like 23 and like launching a huge business. I'm like, who are you? I was not that person at 23. Uh, So impressed. And they are creating a platform that is like a 2D version of Sims where you can click and move around and do breakout rooms, do larger announcements. And and there's so many other platforms like that that are on the cutting edge of pushing that envelope constantly Mm -hmm. how can we make events different 
you know, and it's the same with the in-person event, like 60 years ago, sitting around a round table with a fancy flower arrangement and rubber chicken was like, right. oh my God, that was top notch. Yeah. Now yeah. you have dancers falling from the ceiling and people are like, I've seen that before. They're blase. Same thing's happening with virtual. Like we constantly need to be pushing that envelope. And that's where coming to an organization like mine can help you with that because we're constantly looking for new things to do and new technology and how to use them, you know, differently and effectively. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it goes back to that comment I said about like, you know, your your friend that's thrown a birthday party. It's good to have experts to kind of talk to, to you about not only what you can do and how you can run things smoothly, but what's possible. Um, so I love, I love that your organization, your company is doing that. Um, and you make me laugh a little bit because I remember when the innovative thing for us, uh, you know, during a reunion with a, uh, um, a fraternity called beta, we, we made the centerpieces have beta fish in them. Right. And then you got to take a beta fish. fish. Yeah. Well, it was, you got to take one home and I had one. It was nice. Uh, but you know, it was just, we, no, no fish were harmed in that event at all. Um, but it was, it was, it was pretty cool because you had a long cylinder up, um, high so you could see through the water and still see what's going on. And it was neat. And and it was neat and cool, but I'm sure if you did that again, now it's like, I've seen Uh, like, not that it's uncool, it's just not special. Yeah. It's It's like, I had a great, I had a great white shark at my table, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it's everything's one up, right? everything's one up and the and if there's one industry where it's constantly everything's one up it's definitely the event industry like yeah that's our jam what are some fun things like um you know i'd hate to say like what's the the best event that you've ever done or or what are some fun things that you can tell the audience a little bit about that were unique that really were successful uh i you know definitely i've been doing this for a long time uh but you know, we've done huge reveals of airlines before where a curtain opens and you're in an airport hangar and like really cool locations. Mm -hmm. But I would say for the average person that does not have an airline that they would like to showcase. uh, I have, I have two. It's such a burden to have two, you know, (laughs) you don't know where to park them, the whole thing. but I would say for the average person is to look outside of the direct content. So you might be talking about X. It's okay to all of a sudden talk about B. And by that, I mean, we've worked with a lot of small nonprofits, for example, and they do, you know, we've done virtual fundraisers, uh, virtual like celebration events where we went to them, tiny budgets, like we're talking about people that don't have much and they're really putting everything back in their org. So how can we do a cool event when the full hour is initially dedicated to them talking about themselves, where the audience within 10 minutes is going to be like, why am I here? (laughs) Yep. You know, so how do you create impactful? And what we say is, you know, the beauty of virtual is that you can bring in people from anywhere in the world and mm-hmm. you can bring in really cool speakers. And one of my favorite speakers we did was I was like, hey, reach out to your community. See if anybody knows somebody cool. Doesn't have to be A-list, mm-hmm. just somebody cool. And they found within their community, one of the ladies that played on League of Their Own in that first season like didn't play the movie, like played the baseball, 98 year old firecracker. She was 
awesome. And the meat of the program was about her. Nothing to do with what the org does, but people showed up for her. And what they did is because it was a celebration event, so it was mostly their volunteers showing up, it gave their volunteers something cool. It wasn't just a thank you. It was like, here's something you will never forget. You got to speak to this woman that is, I mean, she's, she kept yelling at people for not doing more with their <laughs> lives. She was awesome. Like it was the coolest thing. So you don't have to spend a ton of money. Like you don't have to think, get, think outside of your own content to create an engaging moment. Um, we also work with a large global organization, big beverage distributor, and they do these monthly like full day virtual events to talk about diversity and inclusion. And they have the hard conversations and we help them to sort of fill in the entertainment between the mm -hmm. super hard combos to keep it light and fun in between. So people can recover. We start the day with yoga. We end the day with a DJ in between is a magician. Uh, we make sure there's plenty of breaks for people to step away. There's never any dead air. There's always music. There's always some movement on the screen, regardless of what's happening. So those types of things are really important is like, I wish more people in there, even if it's an hour webinar, try to do something that's different than what you're actually talking about, because mm -hmm. they'll make it more fun and memorable. No, I totally agree. I mean, those are the events that that you do tend to like remember and want to go back to. Um, exactly. So making it unique, making it an opportunity to meet someone that you wouldn't necessarily get to meet, um, do something, do something you, wouldn't you wouldn't get to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, like uh, there's so many experiences that work really, really well virtually that don't work as well in person. Cooking being one of them. Mm -hmm. Like nobody wants to go to an auditorium and watch somebody cook on stage. That is awful. However, in a virtual format, it works like gangbusters. Like it's awesome. It's super fun. People could take their computers into their kitchen and like cook along or record it or have the recipe. Like they have a real takeaway. They get to ask questions and you can do that with a celebrity chef or with a regular chef. They will open up their kitchen for you very easily. Um, and it's really easy to do. And again, it's different. Yeah. And it's yeah. not boring. You, you, I, I attended an event. Um, I'm a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan. Billy Corgan uh, is like the man. High school so, days. <laughs> right, right, right. Aging myself here. But it was interesting because um, him and Chloe own a, um, a tea shop in Chicago. And there was mm -hmm. an event that they put on where he, she taught how to cook like these really uh, decadent like dessert. And it was like all vegan. And I'm like, this is so cool. Uh, on the one hand, it was so cool. But then I'm like, I'm watching Billy Corgan, <laughs> you know, <laughs> rock God now, like be kind of scolded for not putting enough chocolate chip cookies or I mean, chocolate chips in the cookies or something. It was just so funny. And I'm like laughing. I'm like, if I had thought at 16, 14 years old that I'd be watching Billy Corgan bake. <laughs> Bake, you have never, but he, yeah. the, the virtual aspect allowed you into their space a little yeah. bit into it humanizes them. And it's super cool. Like, yeah. cause you, you will never forget that experience. Your idol doing something, getting scolded by his wife for doing something wrong. Genius. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was, it's totally cool. Absolutely. So I, I get what you're saying. And I, and I think that that making 
that's always the challenge, even when the event was always in person, is yeah. finding a way to make it unique and special and to connect to like when you were talking about, um, you know, charities and nonprofits, connect to your donors, connect to the people that are going to support you or thank those that work for you um, and make exactly. a working place a better place. So what are the, I now you've already kind of talked a little bit about client base, but what are the ty- type of clients that you really, um, you know, gravitate towards or are trying to attract? So we have two big buckets. Uh, the biggest bucket is corporations. So mm-hmm. medium to large size, uh, you know, it's both internal communication. So CEO needs to speak to the, the global organization, making her making sure that he or she looks good, sounds good. They're on the right platform. Uh, you know, their attendees are happy. Nothing worse than the CEO speaking and it's not working. Like it's <laughs> not a good look for anybody. Yeah. Uh, and then there are external comms, roadshows, podcasting, webinars, like when they're talking to their client base. Again, you want to make sure that if you're a Fortune 500 company, that that's hyper polished. It looks the way it's supposed to look. You have a super engaging content and platform where you're going to really create the kind of experience you want to create for your clients. And then our other bucket is nonprofits. So fundraisers, hybrid, virtual, and also in-person. Uh, if you're a nonprofit out there, there mm-hmm. is technology to bring your check-in, uh, your sign auction, your raffle, bring that all online. It simplifies the entire process and you end up making a lot more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it doesn't have to be a full virtual hybrid event, you could still use that same technology in an in-person event, which we're using a lot with nonprofits, which is sure. fun. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. yoga studios, little sprinkle of a lot of other types of people uh, in between. Yeah, that's great. So speaking of of costs and things like that, how, how do you handle pricing? How do you approach that? Um, you know, you said nonprofits are always trying to pinch that penny, right? Um always. <laughs> but I'm should. sure they're trying to do good things. <laughs> right. And I'm sure savvy corporations are doing the same. Some probably spare no expense and others like, hey, we got a budget of $5 per person. What can you give us? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, that's often one of during the initial discovery call, we do bring it up at one point. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we a virtual event, like an in-person event, you could spend, you know, six figures sure. very easily. Sure. Most companies, even the Fortune 100, do not want to spend six figures on a singular event, shockingly enough. So (laughs) trying to figure out what their budget is so that we could figure out what we can do within that budget is really important. And, you know, sometimes a virtual event is a simple Zoom meeting that just has a technician on that's just pushing the buttons so that Mm -hmm. it goes flawlessly you know, and that's not too much. That's under a thousand dollars for an event to, you know, we could spend again, six figures if we really want to. So trying to figure out what the client's trying to do. And then the two driving factors of cost is often audiovisual mm-hmm. cost. So if it's a hybrid or even if it's full virtual, but we're going to a studio space to make sure it looks like a television show, that's mm-hmm. a big driving cost. And then the streaming platform, you know, they go yeah. from free to six figures again. So those are two of the driving costs. And then if we can control those two, it's normally pretty easy to get it, stay in budget. Well, it's great. I Yeah. You know, in multiple locations, you think about some of these events that move from room to room, or like you said earlier, maybe even before we were recording about breakout rooms, 
you know, all those things uh, add to the cost and and trying to like secure locations, cameras for every room, mics for every room, people to, to run things and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's where it adds up. But let's say they, you really want the Ken Caboodle. We'll try to come up with creative ways to get as close to that if as we can mm-hmm. while staying within your budget parameters. But for us, no two clients are the same. We do not have packages. We custom quote everything right. because we're here to help. We're not here to fit you into our process. We're here mm-hmm. to fit into your process. So, And when we first spoke, I liked that about uh, your company and your approach was that it is unique because every event is unique, but um, you know, even if, even something as simple as a wedding, like you go to a location and they want to put you into a package. Yeah. Oh, that, that, I'm sorry, that, you know, to have the garden view, it's also a little bit more, you know, <laughs> right? Would you like the flower package or the diamond package? Right. Diamond platinum, <laughs> uber oh. platinum. Um, exactly. If you buy this, you also get uh, a foursome on the golf course, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy. Right. Enjoy, right. But but no, it, it, every event is unique and companies sometimes just don't want to, they want to simplify things for themselves. And I love that your company is really customer focused in that way. So totally. And every client has different capabilities. Some clients are super tech savvy and just want that extra set of eyes so they can sleep better that night. Others are don't know anything about the tech and are terrified of it. <laughs> and we could come in and help. So like finding out what they're comfortable with and then helping them execute is really fun because mm-hmm. you see a full spectrum of wants and needs. And if you have a package, it's not going to work the same way because, right. you know, not everybody needs the same things. Sure. So you bring up another point or question that I have for you as far as accessibility. I know that's becoming a big thing just on the, you know, websites alone and and, and like events when you have um, access to certain things. Like, I'm sure that comes up with hybrid in-person events. How do you kind of, you know, address that? And what are some of the challenges that people might not be aware of? Yeah, so I think if you need to be compliant, which let's be honest, everybody should be compliant. Some platforms are a little bit more compliant than others. So when you're looking at a streaming solution, if you know you're going to have an older audience, for example, you're going to really want to make sure it's an easy to use platform that's something they're familiar with. Like for that, we would normally recommend Zoom because most people have been on Zoom at that point, not because Mm -hmm. it's necessarily the best platform, but it's going to have the best experience for the attendees. Uh, Zoom also just rolled out that an attendee can request to have closed captioning. So it's not something mm-hmm. you have to turn on. They could turn on on their own. Sure. Um, you know, there. so there's really look at a platform that has the technology built into it, because if you're going to try to add to it posts, it's going to get really expensive really quick. Right. Like, you know, like to do live closed captioning, for example, not through AI, you're probably looking at like five to 10 K. Yep. Like, which is crazy. So if you have a platform that has it built in already, that has the AI, it's not going to be, you know, some of the names might get a little funky, but it's about 90% accurate. It's going to fix that box and it's included. Uh, So you definitely, those are things you really want to look into it when you want to be inclusive. 
uh, for people's different disabilities uh, as needed. Yeah, there's been a lot of events in, in the Rochester, New York area because um, there's a, a lot of deaf culture there. So the the signing signing interpreters and and, and whatnot, and I I know exactly. how much that on top of the closed captions and all that other stuff um, can cost. But it's important because you know the population of you know students we were working with um, and their families. Um, you know, there's there's they need to be able to enjoy understand what's going on. Um, so, and I'm not always good at that, even with my podcast, knowing that stuff, like putting the, it's, putting all the captions hard. and everything. Yep. Because so. it's also the technology is ever changing, but you know, like if you need a live, like sign language interpreter, like you could do like a split screen with the right AV equipment that the interpreter is sitting in the bottom right corner and signing, you know? So there's so many options there. You could also, depending on platform, you could have two streams going, like, one has the sign language interpreter, the other doesn't. So mm -hmm. you you have some flexibility depending on what technology you're using. And if that's a big concern, make that your primary focus when you're looking at what streaming platform to use. Okay. Else it's going to yeah. cost you a fortune on the flip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so could you share, I know we talked about some kind of fun things that we're doing, but what what's maybe one of the most um, memorable lessons that you learned in event planning that, you know, was unexpected and how maybe you overcame it or any suggestions for people that are doing events that uh, <laughs> always expect the unexpected <laughs> always expect the unexpected plan like have specifically in the virtual space when i come from in-person events when there's an issue in an in-person event you're able to hide it a little bit better like right. you could be like look over here while you fix it like it's a little bit easier right virtual events or hybrid if something goes wrong it's like in your face there's no hiding it um there's no issues there's a way of like sugarcoating it it just mm -hmm. is and dead air on a virtual event space like seconds feel like hours like it's awful so one of my first lessons when i got into it is double check everything every setting you think you click the box double check <laughs> you click the box and then have somebody else triple check it that you click the box and it sounds crazy but let's say in the case of closed captioning if you hadn't turned that on you start your meeting and you're halfway through your meeting somebody's like do you have closed captioning you need to end the meeting so you could turn it on not a good look yeah. <laughs> so like really have somebody triple check and then test it mm -hmm. i we do not go into any event without testing the technology first test it test it test it and try to break it without attendees there be the yeah. attendee that clicks on everything don't yeah. trust that the platform did that do it for <laughs> yourself also because if you're able to break it you could a bring into their attention and b you can figure out how to fix it before an attendee breaks it and then you're trying to replicate live uh, yeah. So test, 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 and then practice, practice with your speakers, with your moderators. Like that's so important. It's not just walking up to a stage and handing your USB stick with your PowerPoint. It mm -hmm. does require a little bit more fine tuning leading up to event day that just makes sure that everything runs properly. You're going to catch red flags. Like your right. speakers presenting from hotspot and on their, your dry run, they're dropping in and out. You don't want to find out that live. Sure. You want to find out before because then you can be like, okay, we're going to pre-record you 
And then you're going to come in live for Q&A because it's that's important for the Q&A if you're cutting in and out. Like you're yeah. able to troubleshoot early versus during. Yeah, you remind me, like a lot of the events that I had to plan um, were regional and I wasn't always the person running it. So you had to have that event kind of pop out of the box perfectly. And that was even more like uh, difficult for me because I had to anticipate things at a venue maybe I've never been at. Right. It's hard. Right. It's so and, hard. <laughs> and like have the president of the college is the only staff member there running things and everything needs to come out perfectly, you know, and like, you know. And you can't be there. Oh, that right. would that would have made me I wouldn't have been asleep. Like I would have been awake all night for like weeks leading up to it. Basically <laughs> like, that's what, what it was. Right. Or I don't yeah. plan events in like Hawaii or California where I'm not going and the VPs are gonna go, right? Because <laughs> they don't want to spend Fort Wayne, Indiana. No offense yes. to Fort Wayne, Indiana. No but offense. it's not Hawaii. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. And then payments. Always remembering about your credit card and making sure that that goes through. Because I had an event in California and Florida simultaneously, and the company flagged our card, my card. Oh, no. Yeah. So I, I'm glad not that a good day. you talked a lot about these things, troubleshooting, because like, had I thought about it or known, I could have called the credit card company and said, hey, we're doing simultaneous events across the country. Is I there going to be any fine. problem? Yeah, it's going to be a problem with the $10,000 charge in both locations. <laughs> like everything is fine. Yeah, it's all about anticipating because with virtual, you just, you have no room for error. Mm -hmm. And it's also yeah. a lot quicker. Like an in-person event is four hours long. A virtual event on average is under an hour. Like right. you only have them for that period. You don't want to spend half of that time trying to explain to your speaker how to share their screen you know <laughs> yes it's super important um and then have a plan b and c always on the ready you i've seen everything happen sprinkler systems dispensing <laughs> uh internet lines going down because they're doing construction down the street uh yeah. you know yeah. computers crashing a computer caught fire you know like these things happen so you just want to have Obviously, you can't predict everything, but have ish plans in place. Uh, we did a hybrid event last summer in the Boston Harbor in one of the tents. It was still like pre, like we're still a little COVID-y and like mm -hmm. people weren't super comfortable inside. We're in tent outside. And all of a sudden we're about to go live. I get a warning on my phone. I'm like, guess what? Tornado warning. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We're in a tent. Yep. So live, we're like, okay, so if a tornado happens, we have a standby image ready to go. Like we were just prepping yeah. for that worst case on the fly, but you know, no, there's so many important. things. You, it is, but yeah. that was a fun day. I was happy when the clouds <laughs> cleared. I was like, when there okay, was no tornado. Good. Yeah. <laughs> we, we had almost that exact scenario one time. So in a tent tornado warning, wind was really picking up. Oh, no. So, luckily it was at a house where we could fit everybody inside for the time being, but still everything was set up beautifully and wind so wind yeah i think you know well the first step i think in any planning any event is first of all reach out to julie everybody and just get an idea of what they can do for you and uh, i love that you work with really any budget and um, that you're willing to talk to people about ideas and things like that so um now it's a part of that show where I had that stumper question, like, what didn't we talk about, Julie, that you want to make sure you mention? Oh, so, so many things. I'm joking. So many things. Uh, no. 
this was great uh thank you for having me and anybody out there like my brain like please like i will let you pick my brain for as long as you need uh to exit we all succeed at virtual events succeed so here for you i think the one thing we didn't cover is for the event planners out there whether that's within a corporation outside of a corporation nonprofits realize that now we have been given a gift through the pandemic where we truly have three event offerings you can offer your attendees in person hybrid and virtual and really think about what your content is and what that's which of the three is going to work better for your content yeah. and i think that's yeah. that's a real blessing that we've been given to you know some events aren't worth driving two hours for mm -hmm. and maybe that's where virtual will be a better or hybrid will be a better form right. for so right. really think about what your attendees need and want and we have another tool in our tool belt and that's super cool no, I totally agree with you. And, and I urge my listeners to reach out to Julie. We will have all her contact information in the show notes because um, she really is a terrific person for one thing. And this is company is a terrific company. Uh, just love what you're doing. Uh, and thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Nick. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us in another episode of That Sounds Terrific. Don't forget to check out the show notes and our website at thatsoundsterrific.com to find the contact information and the best ways to volunteer with the organizations that we feature. If you know someone that is doing terrific things and think they should be featured in a future episode, be sure to email us their name, contact info, and short description of what they're doing at thatsoundsterrific at gmail.com. If you like our show, give us a five-star rating and give us some social media love by liking our Facebook page, That Sounds Terrific. Follow us on Twitter at Sounds Terrific 2 and Instagram at Sounds Terrific. We love hearing your feedback on how to make our show sound even more terrific. Till next time.